Om Namo Bhagavate Sri Arunachala Ramanaya. This is the third in a series of uh, videos on ego. This again is um, a question or a couple of questions that I was asked in a comment on my YouTube channel. Uh, uh, what someone wrote was, uh, since the ego exists by grasping a form, is it okay to allow it to grasp the form of Ramana? You have, that's the first question. And the second question, you have said that by investigating the ego, it will run away. Then who is the investigator? Right, but, uh, regarding the first question, that is the very nature of ego, is to be always grasping form. So, um, the first form we grasp as ego, we first grasp the form of a body which we take ourselves to be. Um, and then only after grasping this body do we begin to grasp other uh, um, forms. Forms here, what Bhagavan means by form is phenomena of any kind whatsoever. That is anything that appears and disappears, anything um, that any object, anything other than ourselves. Anything that we, we know as other than ourself is a form. That, that, any, or let's put it this way, anything that is in any way distinguishable from any other thing is a form. So it's not, he's not just talking about physical forms, even thoughts, feelings, emotions, all phenomena are forms of one kind or another because all, each phenomenon is in some way distinguishable from some other phenomenon. So anything that is distinguishable from anything else is a form. So um, the first form we grasp is the form of a body. A body, as, as I explained earlier, body means a, a form of five sheaths. Bhagavan says in verse 5 of Uludunaptu, Udul Panchakosa Urub. Body is a form composed of Panchakosa, that means five sheaths. What are those five sheaths? The physical form of the body, which is called Vyanamaya Kosha, the, pra, the life or prana, which is called Pranamaya Kosha, the uh, mind, which is called uh, Manamaya Kosha, that is the grosser functions of the mind, that is. Subtler than the mind is the intellect, that is what is called Vijnanamaya Kosha or Buddhi, and um, subtler than that, is the will. That is what is called the chittam or the anandamaya kosha. Um, so these five forms, these five sheaths, are what we make up the person that we take ourselves to be. So Bhagavan says these collectively are what are called bodies. So we first grasp this form, the, the form of this body consisting of five sheaths, and then only are we aware of other forms, as Bhagavan makes clear in verse 4 of Uludhanaptu. So, having grasped the form of a body as I, the question is, can we grasp the form of Bhagavan? How can we grasp the form of Bhagavan? That implies in this context meditating on the form of Bhagavan. Yes, we can certainly do so. It is good to, to, it is good to think of Bhagavan. That is, Bhagavan is not actually a form. What Bhagavan actually is, is our own reality, our own real nature, that which is shining in our heart as I am, our own existence, that is Bhagavan. But because our mind is outward going, Bhagavan appeared in human form in order to um, teach us to turn back within to find out what we actually are. 
So, um, because Bhagavan has revealed to us these wonderful teachings, we naturally have great love for Bhagavan, so it is natural for us to think of him. But until we know ourselves as we actually are, we cannot know him as, we, as he actually is. So because we know ourselves as a form, in our view he seems to be a form. But even though we understand he's not limited to the form in which he appeared, still that form in which he appeared is for us something very special. That is, we have special love for that form. So it is, it, is, it is good to meditate on that form, but we shouldn't just stop with meditating on that form. If we truly think of Bhagavan's form, what will that remind us of? It will remind us of his teachings. And what is his teaching? Turn within and see yourself. So by meditating on his form, that should, uh, that should turn our attention back towards ourselves. Because what is the real form of Bhagavan? The real form of Bhagavan is not the outward form, the, the form of a body in which he appeared. His real form, his Swarupa, is Atmasvarupa. That is, Swarupa means the real nature, what it actually is. So what Bhagavan actually is, is only Atmasvarupa. Atmasvarupa means what we ourselves actually are, our own real nature, that is Bhagavan. So, there's, there's no wrong with meditating on, um, on uh, Bhagavan's form. But if we truly meditate on his form, we will find our attention being drawn back within. Because that is the power of his form. His form has a, has a power to turn our attention back towards ourself. When we find, find our attention being drawn back within, we should yield to that because that is the power of his grace but he's drawing our attention back within to see him as he actually is. So we shouldn't stop with just meditating on his form. By meditating on him, the more we meditate on his form, the more we will feel love to turn within to meditate on ourselves. And that is the real, real Ramana Dhyanam, real meditation on Bhagavan's form is not just meditating on his physical form, meditating on his Swarupa, his own form, his real, his actual form, his real form, which is I am, our own being, our own real form, is his, alone is his real form. Bhagavan explains this in a way in verse 10 of Arunachala Patikam. There he's not talking about his own name and form, he's talking about the name and form of Arunachala. And he says in that verse, um, it's a very beautiful verse, so I, I will just read and explain the verse because it's very relevant to this question. He begins by saying, Patanam Purumai, we Bali Kanta Paruvatam. Patanam Purumai means I have seen, Purumai literally means a, a, a newness, but here it means uh, it, it's used in the sense of a wonder. I have seen a wonder. What wonder? Vir Bali Kanta Paruvatam. This, the hill, uh, the magnetic hill that forcibly attracts the soul. So Arunachala, he's referring here to Arunachala. So the form of Arunachala, it forcibly attracts the soul. It form, forcibly attracts us to it. But then it doesn't, Arunachala doesn't stop with just attracting us to its outward form. That is what this verse is about. 
Then he goes on to say, Orutarum, that means one time, idanei otidum virin sheshtei oduki. That is, that means, oduki means uh, causing it to subside or subduing sheshtei. Uh, sheshtei means their activity, particularly the mischievous activity of the weir, of the soul. So, um, subduing their activity, that means the mental activity of the soul, autidum, uh, but who thinks of it, orutarum, uh, even once, even if we think of Arunachi even once, it will, be, it will begin to work in our heart, subduing the, the, our mental activity, that means subduing the outgoing activity of the mind. And then what, when it subdues that, what will it do? Oru tanadu abhimukamaha etu, pulling it uh, to uh, pulling it to to be tanadu uh, abhimukam. Tanadu abhimukam abhimukam means facing towards. Tanadu abhimukam means facing towards itself. But remember, Arunachal itself is our self. So. Uh, that also implies to, uh, drawing it to face itself. That is, the ego is to face itself, and itself is is Arunachala. So Tanadu can both refer to Arunachala itself and to the soul itself, because the soul itself is Arunachala. What, what the soul actually is is Arunachala, and he says he also. Um, adds one thing to Tanadu, he says Oru Tanadu. Oru means one, but it particularly means one in the sense of peerless. Why is Arunachala peerless? Why is it unique, unequaled? Because it is the only one. That is, in Advaita philosophy, the word one has a very great significance because what actually exists is ekam eva advaitiam, one only without a second. So when the word one occurs in Advaitic texts, particularly in a text like this, that one means the one and only, the, the one thing that actually exists. So Arunachala is the one thing that actually exists. Arunachala is our own real nature. So he, what he implies is that subduing the mental activity of a soul who thinks of it even once, drawing it to face itself for one, that means drawing it back within to face its own real nature, which is the real nature of Arunachala. Then he says, Tan, tan bol achalama chedav, chedu, making it motionless uh, like itself. That is, Arunachala is called, achala means what is motionless. A hill is called Achala because it is fixed, it is motionless. So what Arunachala represents is the motionless, the motionlessness of our real nature. Our real nature is not doing, it is pure being. So the motionlessness of pure being is what is represented outwardly in the form of Arunachala. That's why Arunachala, our own existence, appears outwardly in the form of a hill in order to turn us back within. And then he goes on to say, so making a motion, making that soul motionless like itself, ab inuir bali kolum, 
uh, that that means uh, in the way, I mean that sweet soul. Why is why does it describe the soul as sweet? Because the soul is matured by by meditating on Arunachala and thereby being drawn within by him. We are thereby well cooked. We are pakpa. We become pakpa. That means pakpa means well cooked or mature or ripe, like a like a, a fruit on a tree is is pakpa when it becomes fully ripe, or food if you're cooking food it becomes pakpa when it's fully cooked. Um, so. Uh, the, the, when he talks about the Inui, of a sweet soul, he's referring to that state of being well, well cooked, well ripened by the grace of Arunachala. And only when we're well ripened are we willing to surrender ourselves to him. So only when we're willing to surrender to uh, him does he bali column. Bali column means he takes a bali. Bali means a sacrificial offering. In, in Vedic rituals, that what what is offered to God is the, that is the bali that is the, the the sacrificial offering. So we are to give ourselves as a sacrificial offering to God. That is to our natural. Um, and then he says ichden. Ichden means uh, ichdu means this. Uh, en means what? What is this? It, it, it's a, it's an expression of wonder. What a wonder is this? And then he says otumin. Uh, or to min we call ulum adil oli if we call Arunamagiriye. That is, he describes Arunachala as Arunamagiriye, that means a great hill of grace. Uh, if we Koli, this great hill of grace, but, uh, but the killer of the ego, the killer of the soul, um, that shines in the heart, which Ulama Adil Oli means who shines in the heart. So Aranacha, though he appears outwardly in the form of a hill, what he actually is, is that, um, is that, uh, is that which is ever shining in the heart, in other words, our own being. And so what Bhagavan says in this sentence, he says, uh, Otu means, uh, in this context means, Otu can mean knowing, but in this context it means thinking or meditating. Uh, thinking, uh, be saved, O souls. Thinking of what? Thinking of this great Aranagiri who shines, who the killer of the soul, who shines in the heart. So, what Bhagavan is teaching us in this verse is that by thinking of Arunachala, thinking of the outward form of Arunachala, that begins a process of grace. And slowly, slowly Arunachala uh, subdues the outward going activity of our mind, thereby he draws us within. How does he draw us within? by giving us the love to turn within and to meditate on him, on his true form in our heart. And um, by meditating on his, uh, his true form, which is motionless being, we thereby become motionless being. And thus he feeds upon us. So what Bhagavan is teaching us in this verse is how the meditation on the external form of Arunachala 
leads us, that, that by Arunachal's grace we are thereby drawn within to meditate on the true form of Arunachal, but is shining in our heart. And thereby we are swallowed by him. So what Bhagavan says about meditating on the form of Arunachala is equally true of meditating on the form of Bhagavan. So the answer to this question, can we uh, cling, can we uh, grasp, uh, how do you put it? Yeah. Is, is it okay to allow it to grasp the form of Ramana? That is, so long as the mind is going outwards grasping form, there's no better form for it to grasp than the form of, uh, of Bhagavan, the outward form of Bhagavan. And the outward form of Bhagavan doesn't just mean the, the bodily form of Bhagavan. Bhagavan came for a, Bhagavan appeared in that form for a purpose. So the purpose was to give us these teachings. So Bhagavan's teachings are Bhagavan in the form of his teachings. So we're not just to meditate on the bodily form of Bhagavan, the physical form of Bhagavan, but what that physical form appeared to teach us. That is, uh, so Bhagavan's teachings, it is right to be devoted to Bhagavan's teachings because Bhagavan's teachings are a form of Bhagavan, a very special form of Bhagavan. That is, the, the reason Bhagavan appeared in the human form was to give us the teachings in order to turn us back within to his true form, which is ever shining in our heart, as the killer of the soul, the great Aranagiri who is always shining in my heart as the killer of the soul. So, it's certainly it is okay to meditate on the form of Bhagavan, but if we truly meditate on his form with love, we will feel that inward pull. We should yield ourselves to that inward pull. Ultimately, in order to yield ourselves to that inward pull, we need to let go of the outward form of Bhagavan. But we shouldn't feel we're abandoning Bhagavan by letting go of his outward form, because he, is, he himself is drawing us in to see his true form, his Swarupa, which is what is ever shining in our heart as I. So yes, certainly, so long as we rise as ego and look outwards, it is, there's nothing better to, um, to cling to than the form of Bhagavan and his teachings. And that, because they will turn our mind back within to enable us to see his true form, which is ever shiny in our heart as our own being, our own existence, I am. And then the second question is, uh, part of this same question is, you have said by investigating ego, it will run away. Then who is the investigator? The investigator is only ego. That is no investigate. Our real nature does not need investigation. That is, as we actually are, we always know ourselves as we actually are. So there's no need for us to investigate ourselves. But we now don't experience ourselves as we actually are because we, we have risen as ego and we are consequently experiencing ourselves as I am this body. So this I that is now aware of itself as I am this body, I am this mind, this I needs to turn its attention away from all other things, back towards itself to see who am I. So it is as ego that we are to investigate ourselves. So long as we as Bhagavan says in verse 25 of Urudhunapadu, he describes their ego as a formless phantom or formless demon, Uruvatrapei. Why does he describe this formless? Because ego has no form of its own. 
since it has no form of its own, it cannot have a seemingly separate existence except by grasping form. So, what he says in that verse is, grasping form, it comes into existence. What he means by form is anything other than itself, because ego is formless, so any form is something other than ego. So the first form ego grasps is the form of a body, consisting of five sheaves. It grasps that as I, and then it grasps the other form. So he says, grasping form, it comes into existence. Grasping form, it stands. Grasping and feeding on form, it flourishes abundantly. Leaving form, it grasps form. What do we have to understand from that? The very nature of ego is to grasp form. Ego cannot stand for a moment without grasping form. But what happens if, instead of grasping form, if ego tries to grasp itself? Since it is formless, if it tries to grasp itself, it thereby subsides and eventually will dissolve back into its source. So when the ego, whose nature is to always attend to other things, turns its attention back within to attend to itself, it thereby subsides. That is what Bhagavan means in the next sentence when he says, Te dinal otumpidikum. Te dinal otumpidikum literally means, if seeking, it will take flight or it will run away. A take flight means uh, flee, like a, on a battlefield when faced with a, a very powerful enemy, uh, uh, the troops may run away. That's taking flight. They, they flee away. So, like that, if we turn our attention back within to see who am I, ego will thereby run away. In other words, ego will subside and dissolve back into its source. So, what Bhagavan reveals to us in verse 25 of Aludhanapatu is the nature of ego. It has no form of its own, so it doesn't, it cannot have any seeming, it cannot seem to have a separate existence except by grasping form. So grasping form, it comes into existence. Grasping form, it stands. Grasping and feeding on forms, it flourishes abundantly. Leaving form, it grasps form. So how does this formless ego grasp form? Since it's formless, it doesn't have any hands or arms to grasp anything. So how does it grasp? Grasping here means grasping in its awareness. By, by knowing things, by being aware of things other than itself, by attending to things other than itself, it is thereby grasping them. So how is it to grasp itself? By turning its, its attention, its power of awareness, power of knowing, away from other things back towards itself. When it tries to grasp itself, since it is formless, there's nothing, it cannot stand without grasping form. So when it tries to grasp itself, it thereby subsides. And when it subsides, it, it, when it subsides, it subsides back within. It sinks back within and eventually it will dissolve into its source. So this is what Bhagavan means by saying that if ego investigates itself, it will subside. Investigating itself means investigating its own reality, investigating what it actually is. Because ego is the adjunct mixed awareness, I am this body. What we are to investigate is not the adjuncts, it is the, fund, it is the as Bhagavan says in, in Maharshi's Gospel, you, you take the, when in your investigation into the source of the ahamvritti, ahamvritti means I thought, it's another name for ego, in your investigation into the source of the ahamvritti, you take the essential chit aspect of ego. That is, he had just explained there, but ego is chit jadagranti. 
Chit Jadagranti, Chit means awareness, the Satchit, the pure awareness, the awareness of being. Jada means what is not aware, and Granti means not. So it is a not formed by the entanglement of what is aware with what is not aware. What is aware is the pure awareness, what is not aware is the body. So in this, ego is that which is aware of itself as I am this body. In that adjunct conflated awareness, I am this body, I am is the chit portion. The, uh, the, the body is the jada portion, that is the adjunct. That is, that is jada, it's not aware. The body, body and mind and all these things are not aware. They're, they are the object of awareness. E as ego, we are aware of ourselves as these things, but these things are not aware. So, um, when we investigate ego, which is this chitjala granti, we are investigating the chit element of it. That chit element is what we actually are. That is satchit, that is the pure I am. So the more we attend to the pure I am, the more we thereby subside into it and eventually we will merge and lose ourselves in the pure I am that we actually are. So this is what Bhagavan means by if, it, if ego seeks itself, though, though he uses the word seek, it's not literally seeking because as ego we always know ourselves, we always know I am, we, but seeking there he means looking at ourselves to see what we actually are. Seeking to, to, to know the reality of ourself by looking at ourself very keenly. If you look at the snake very carefully, what do you see? Oh, it's not a snake, it's just a rope. Likewise, if we look at ego very carefully, we will see, oh, it's not, what we, what we actually are is not ego, but just the pure awareness, I am. So, uh, if you look at the snake carefully and see it's a rope, Metaphorically, you can say the snake has run away because there's no, no more. What seemed to be a snake, you now see as a rope. So that mistaken notion that it is a snake has run away. In exactly the same way, ego runs away. Ego is the false identification, I am this body. If we attend to I am keenly enough, the false identification will run away and the pure I am alone will remain. Bhagavan expresses it uh, in, in another way in which Bhagavan expresses this same thing is by saying when we attend to I am, the adjuncts will drop off and the pure I am will remain. Why will the adjuncts drop off? The adjuncts means this body and mind or everything that we take ourselves to be. The adjuncts are not grasping us. We are grasping the adjuncts. So the adjunct, we seem to be bound within the limits of this body and mind not because this body and mind are grasping us, because we are grasping them and saying, I am this body, I am this mind. So we, the bondage is, is due to our own grasping. If instead of grasping the body and mind or anything else, if we try to grasp ourselves, um, uh, the, the adjuncts will drop off because we're no longer holding on to them. They, they will drop off and the pure I am alone will remain. This is what Bhagavan is explaining in that verse of verse 10 of Arunachapatikam that I spoke about earlier. That is, by turning our attention back within to face itself alone, in other words, to face our own reality, I am, uh, um, uh, 
see, by that, we who turn within to attend to I, we thereby subside and we become actual like our natural. We become, we become motionless being, just being, sumairupadu. And in that state of just being, we are thereby fully cooked, perfectly matured, ripened, and then we are swallowed by him. So what Bhagavan is describing in Aranachya Stuti Panchakam is exactly the same that he is describing in Uludunapadu number works. In Uludunapadu, he's explaining it in the language of jnana. In Aranachya Stuti Panchakam, he's explaining it in the language of bhakti. Uh, jnana means knowledge, bhakti means love. Knowledge and love are one and the same. We cannot know ourselves without all-consuming love to surrender ourselves completely. Because so long as we take ourselves to be this, this finite individual that we now seem to be, we are not aware of ourselves as we actually are. In order to be aware of ourselves as we actually are, we need to surrender this individuality, this ego, we need to surrender. And what then remains is the pure being that we always actually are. So what Bhagavan is talking about in Aranachastuti Panchagam, there he's emphasizing the love aspect. In Uludhanapati he's emphasizing the jnana aspect, but both are one and the same. So the path of self-investigation and the path of self-surrender are one and the same. And this is the beautiful, simple path that Bhagavan has shown us. All we need to do is to turn within, to try to attend to ourself alone. The more we attend to ourselves, the more we subside. That is what he describes as the, the ego running away, the ego sub merging back into its source, subsiding and merging back into its source. And when we attend to ourselves keenly enough, we will thereby lose ourselves completely in what we actually are, which is the pure awareness I am. Om Namo Bhagavate Sri Arunachala Ramanaya.